Thank you for listening to this Podcast One production. Available on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One. Napa know-how. Get all the quality parts you need at your locally owned Napa. Because right now, when you order from Napa online, you can pick up curbside at your local store in just 30 minutes. Or get your order delivered direct to your door with free one-day shipping and over 160,000 quality parts when you spend $35 or more. Quality parts delivered quickly and safely. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. At participating stores, standard ground shipping and exclusions apply. Shop Black Friday week deals Sunday through Friday at Kohl's. Plus, get $15 Kohl's cash for every $50 spent. And take an extra 15% off. Get the big one throws, $8.49. Toastmaster small appliances are just $2.14 after rebate. And Fitbit Versa 2 is $129.99. Plus, take 30% off Lego, 70% off fine jewelry, and save on boots for her, $16.99. Plus, get fast and free store pickup. Shop Black Friday week deals at Kohl's and Kohl's.com. Select styles. Office valid November 22nd through the 27th. 15% off with promo code ENJOY15. Lego and Fitbit offers and coupons do not apply. Some exclusions apply. See store or Kohl's.com for details. I hope you're ready for more Endgame talk because we have some non-spoiler reviews coming your way right now. On top of that, two new trailers, one for Gemini Man starring Will Smith and then a brand new one for Godzilla. Whoa, the monsters, there are a lot of them. But before we get to that, we are celebrating some Avengers Endgame at this table with Nikki yes. Novak and Koi. <laughs> Koi, always happy to have you here. It's good to be here. Ha- have we done a movie talk together before? I don't know. This is my I first feel like... time doing movie talk. Oh, so, really? Yeah. yeah. How, how did I not know that? But welcome. Thank you it's so about much. time. And on three hours sleep after the premiere <laughs> last night. I'm surprised that I'm still like up and semi-buzzing at this point because I, I got home way too late last night, drank way too much. But you know what? We've got a lot to dissect right now. <laughs> Now, we're just jumping right into it. And the very first topic today is going to be a brief movie talk, non-spoiler review of Avengers Endgame. So you have already gotten my opinion on our breakout video. It's the review that I did with Dennis. Coys is coming your way on Heroes. So, Nikki, we're going to start with you. Yes, we're, we're putting the pressure on you right off the bat here. After you walked out of that premiere screening last night, what did you think? Well, I was probably, I went into it expecting actually not to like it. Wow. I thought it was going to be Infinity War Part 2, and I thought it was going to be very formulaic and very drawn out when I heard the three-hour time. I thought it was going to be the type of superhero movie that I don't particularly care for, and I my expectations were so exceeded. It was, it was absolutely magical, epic, a masterpiece. I saw your tweet. You said there was a lot, and there was a lot, but that's what I loved about Mm -hmm. it. And, I mean, I think... You know, they take you on such a journey. I tweeted this morning. It's not not necessarily a film. It's a journey. Mm -hmm. And it's one of those films that it takes you on such a roller coaster. You start out in one place, and you end in a totally different place, but it was was just beautiful. I was absolutely blown away. It's not really a movie that you can have a knee-jerk reaction to immediately after leaving, which is why I was very stressed about sending that tweet at all. But so it goes in the business. We have to, but... 
being able to sit with it a little longer and also having the opportunity to see it again tonight because I really did like the movie a lot. My only criticism is that I found the first hour fairly slow, but the thing is, in context, when you look at the whole story, the bigger picture, you needed that slower material. material. You needed that somber feel in order to have a big payoff in the end. One can't really work without the other, so I'm curious to jump back in tonight and revisit all of that stuff with the end in mind. I have never looked forward to a spoiler review more because this movie Mm. is so hard to talk about without spoilers, especially the way Infinity War ends, you know the tone of that. So it's safe to say the tone in the beginning of this movie is, like you said, a, a slower pace. And I definitely had moments of, like, wondering. And then once the escalation starts, it doesn't stop in a way that I didn't think was possible. I'm very curious if we have the same tipping point for that, because it was very, very specific to me when all of a sudden I'm like, damn, they I got it, too. it's going. I now. had one, too. And with yeah. this, that's why the spoiler review, I'm switching, because there's going to be so many moments. And I, so my first thought when I walked out of it, and this is going to be, and I, this is the part of my tweet, so apologies if it sounds redundant if you follow me, but all of the Marvel films have done this amazing job of being 21 different genres, or at least like 15 different genres. They've all analyzed and found a way to be succinctly that. That way there's no superhero fatigue, but they all felt like part of a shared universe. This movie's genre, to me, felt like comics. And that's a really, really Mm. hard thing to capture without being a diehard comic book fan. This checked boxes I didn't think could be checked by a film. It it, it did things with the medium I didn't think were possible, and it exceeded my expectations of once again what I thought a comic book movie could be, and I think that's what the Russo brothers keep doing. When Winter Soldier came out, I was like... Oh, you made a political thriller, and it's a fully Robert Redford's in it as Robert Redford type character. It's not like a Robert Redford comic book character. Like Winter Soldier is a Robert Redford film, and then with Civil War, they did the first ever like multi-panel fold-out comic book scene on the on the airport. This movie, to me, was them at the height of their powers, combining all the things they've learned from all the movies and piecing together a narrative that I didn't think could be told in the medium of film. And it's going to be really interesting to look back on with people once they've seen it because you can't talk about it without having seen it. Like, mm. there's nothing in the movie you can yeah, just casually true. talk about. And I think that it's going to be a movie that... <laughs> it's so true. It's like, 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 right now, I'm literally like, how do I say that without saying that? And and it's a movie that will reward people in so many different ways. And that's really special. Like, it's one of the most rewatchable movies, I think. Yes. Here's a question for you guys, though, because this is very rewarding for someone who is fully invested. If you have seen all 21 movies that came before this one, the payoff is going to be huge. Even if you've missed a couple in the mix, I still think it's going to work. But what about just like the average moviegoer, someone who isn't super into it, maybe has just seen everything once, isn't aware of all the details? Do you think it's going to play just as well for the average moviegoer as it will the major superhero movie fan? I was actually thinking about that question as I was watching it last night because that's a question I get a lot. Being with Fandango, that's a question I get a lot from people who aren't necessarily, because I know a lot of, I I work with and deal with a lot of people and work on a lot of shows with people who go to the movies like a couple times a year. And they're not necessarily huge comic books. And I'm watching it going, are they going to be able to really get into this? And I think it is one of those, and I don't know how they did it, but is it serviced the fans, but I think it also does service people who just are casual viewers who maybe have seen a Thor and a Guardians and not seen all of them. You can follow it. You're going to miss a lot of it and a lot mm-hmm. of sort of the finer details, but I think the story is there, and you're, I think you can still find a lot to love about it. The thing that I loved at the 
after party last night was typically when you go to these things, people go, what'd you think? What'd you think? And then everybody talks about something else. It was the only after party for any premiere I've ever been to where the entire night people kept going into, well, what about this moment? And what about that moment? And when you ask everybody their favorite moment, everybody had a different response. It was, and usually it's the same two or three moments in a film. Sure. I've got my one. I've got my you one. Do. And I can narrow it down to a single shot. A single frame of the movie oh, might be my it. favorite frame of the MCU of all time. Not spoiling that here, but you were bringing up uh, about, you know, just the average moviegoer jumping into this. I think why it could work for both is because this is a movie that pays homage to the entire MCU, to this entire decade of storytelling, right. but it does it in a way that weaves so naturally into this particular narrative, this particular yes. mis- mission, and I thought that was so beautifully done. I think it's a movie that someone that has never seen any of them will see as a much more surface film, and I think they they will miss a lot of laugh. Like there'll be people laughing for and sure, like, mm-hmm. and there'll be like moments that everybody's like, "Oh," that they just won't understand. But I think they'll still see it as a movie. They just might see it as like, you know, a C. But like they, they'll be more casually invested. I don't think you can invest in this film in the same way if you've seen the other ones naturally. Mm-hmm. Right. Also, if you're in LA, go to the El Capitan Marathon that started already, and I'm going to be presenting some of the movies, and I'm very excited. Uh, so uh, yeah, like we about that. Yeah, it's, it's going to be awesome. But it's a movie that rewards you for being a fan. Yes. And I think that if you're mm-hmm. not a fan, you'll still get a movie out of it. You just won't for get. Sure the same movie out of it. So well, there's some the very outcome. full character arcs that are restricted yeah. to Endgame, which I was very I was very impressed by how you got full stories within Endgame, but that also spoke to a single character's journey throughout the entire franchise. Right. It's a very difficult thing to achieve in a movie like this. Well, it's a show. Like, what they did with the MCU is they built a very long-form television series, and TV that, that's good has those, those bubbly arcs, and then they right. have the long-form arcs, and then over multiple seasons have the bigger arcs. To me, each phase was a season, each movie was an episode and then this is is the, the multiple seasons and like like in This Is Us like you feel for Randall every episode but then you really feel for Randall in the last episode so I, I really think it's an opportunity to look at narrative filmmaking a different way the three hours didn't feel like three hours because it wasn't just a movie so it allows for a completely new way of seeing film like I think the Russo brothers are are right like uh, Childish Gambino released that movie that's 55 minutes which is fantastic and it feels like a movie but this is three hours and it also feels like a movie because we're, we're not constrained to 90 minutes anymore we're not constrained to two hours so I think we need to be looking at things more creatively as filmmakers. Well, I also thought it was interesting that everybody was talking about the three-hour runtime. And we're like, how many times do you sit at home on a couch and binge watch right. four seasons in a row of whatever show you're watching and, you know, sitting in a movie theater for an extra hour or extra 30 minutes? I mean, typically these movies are two hours and 20 minutes anyway. Mm-hmm. So I, it felt like three hours to me, but I felt like it was an earned three hours. Yeah. You that's know? All, I mean, really, that's all that matters. As long as you're justifying every minute of screen time, I will yes. sit in that seat as long as I have to. I will deprive myself of water as long as I have to to enjoy every second of your movie. <laughs> Bringing up the three-hour runtime kind of paves the way perfectly into our next topic, which is going back to the Avengers Endgame box office. We're going to continue to revisit this topic until the movie comes out. But right now, we're specifically talking about a report from Deadline that claims that it is a very real possibility that Avengers Endgame could wind up making $1 billion worldwide opening weekend alone. I can't believe I just uttered that sentence. <laughs> the outlet is hearing that something like a 940 to $950 dollars start is the more likely scenario, but if China and or the U.S. overperform, that's when a billion dollars comes into the equation. Apparently, pre-sales in the U.S. and Canada 
that are already north of $121 million. Pre-sales in China broke records in a matter of hours and became the Middle Kingdom's top pre-seller ever. China pre-sales are up to $80 million at the moment, and that number is expected to reach $90 million plus. All right, Coy, we've been talking about the $300 million opening weekend thing, but what do you think about the worldwide opening weekend? Do you see it cracking a billion? So I think worldwide it actually might be viable because it is a movie that I saw it and I'm already seeing it again on Thursday and Saturday. Like, I'm already very excited for my nine hours in that theater this week alone, and I was very happy to pay for it twice. I, I think it's a movie that people are going to be willing to pay for again as soon as there's an open theater for. I think it's a movie that invites more viewings, and I also think that it's three hours, so if you're playing it for 24 hours, you're going to want to clean up times. So you've got like six movies per day for that 18 hour plus the flips. So if you're playing it that many times, times even the smallest theaters in LA are like 250 seats for the, mm-hmm. for the larger houses. So that's what, 1,500 seats a a day that's you're gonna make so much money if you open it up and i think a billion worldwide is attainable and i think this is the only movie that has enough boots on the ground to do it so i always try to watch out whenever i do my box office predictions because i'm a human being my personal feelings about a movie creep into my brain when i'm picking numbers i'm rooting for something and now that i loved avengers endgame i am rooting for it to break a whole bunch of uh, records here the thing is after i saw that deadline story i saw another report i believe it was from variety and they're saying that it might not even be possible for it to, let's say, well, crack the 300 question. million. That's the question, yeah. Yeah, because they're, they're saying that uh, their stats are the most money that the entire domestic box office has ever generated in a single weekend is $314 million, and that was the weekend that Infinity War hit theaters in 2018, and then the second biggest industry weekend was $313 million when Force Awakens debuted in 2015. So, I mean, we're talking about every other movie at the box office playing with something like 15 million dollars so but did we have that 24 hour you know we didn't have the 24 hour and we keep you know selling out we're pre-selling tickets at Fandango we keep selling out every time they add more and more screenings Mm -hmm. within minutes so it's just like we we never saw anything like it even you know compared to Infinity War I think the ticket sales the pre-ticket sales were like started at 5 to 1 now they're at like 10 to 1 in pre-ticket sales absolutely crazy and we also have uh, theater chains like AMC I think AMC is staying open this weekend for something like 72 hours straight Mm -hmm. to meet the demand for Endgame tickets and if you go on to try to get tickets you can't get them that's the thing as they keep adding them you just you can't get them you can't so the question is yes if they played in every if it played in every single theater for 24 hours is it possible is it a number that's something that nobody's looked into yet. I, that's a cool thing to set the bar of like <laughs> what is the most possible dollars <laughs> physically capable of seats in theaters like that's, that's such the a number we need it's like, <laughs> like usually walk into a theater and they've got like those fire hazard safety numbers like there's usually like, got to keep seven seats open, but now they're like, how many humans can we fit in this building for the next 72 <laughs> hours? Lawn chairs in the back row. It's an opportunity to really see the theater going public, and this this fills me with such glee because a lot of people crap in these these blockbuster films. They think that they're surface. They think that they're, you know, like every other thing, and certain people that, you know, sat here before had problems with them. But I think that there's an opportunity to show that it brings people to the theater, those theaters get to stay open, and then you can have your indie still exist. Like, these are bringing revenue to movie theaters. That's how we get other movies. Like, mid-range film can't exist because of this existing. You don't watch 
every movie in theaters. These ones keep the actual lights on at movie theaters. I think that's so important. So there's got to be a balance. The balance is a little skewed right now, but I think it's important to note You'd that... You'd be like, that's a much bigger question. It's a much bigger conversation. <laughs> but my, keeping the lights on is important. My brain just went down so many different right. avenues about things that I wanted to say back. But um, I think one of my favorite things that you kind of just hit on, too, is just the community that something like the MCU has formed, because I kind of touched on this in my review a little. I mean, I guess this is kind of going back to the review, but... One of the coolest things about Endgame in particular, but I think the large majority of the MCU, is the fact that the love for this brand from the filmmaking, from the filmmaker's point of view, and from the fan point of view, is there. We felt it in, I mean, I don't want to speak for you, but I I felt it in the room last night. I don't know if you did either, but... You definitely did, and I think what I felt from the Russo brothers is what you just said, their love for these characters. Because every single character was serviced in this Mm -hmm. film. Mm -hmm. Every single character had an arc. You felt the love from them. And, again, without spoiling anything, you're taken on such a range of emotions. And that was also... One thing that we... I haven't heard anybody say is how phenomenal the acting was. Mm -hmm. We keep talking about how fantastic... You know the set and 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 the scope of it, but the individual performances were so nuanced, and that is hard to do in that type of a genre. And I, I want to give credit as well to the like beyond the Russos, the editing and marketing team, yeah. uh, like the the Russos and the marketing team shaping the publicity the way they did. I, I, I had a problem like very notably for Age of Ultron in that I was watching the movie feeling like I was piecing together scenes from the trailers. Like the whole time I was watching Age of Ultron, I was like, I remember that scene and that. And then I kind of put the movie together. I didn't have a single moment in this film where I was pulled out and went, oh, the trailer and then back in. Mm-hmm. The, the, the trailers were so masterfully cut. Not only did it not spoil, it never removed me mm-hmm. from the film. I wasn't analyzing anything and, and I felt like I went into that movie less exposed than I've ever been for this big of a film. Admittedly, sometimes when I saw trailer shots, like like a little like blip on my radar went off, but it was never in a way that made me, I don't know, made me feel like I knew too much from the trailers, mm-hmm. if that makes any sense. I was simply aware of something, but the trailers do such a great job of not spoiling a single stitch of this movie. But And I think that is sort of should be a cue for other films. Oh, please. Because there are so many times that I watch a trailer and then I'm just have no interest in seeing the film. Mm-hmm. It's just I just saw the film. I just you just showed me the entire thing. And and that going into something and having absolutely no clue where it is going is so invaluable. And I say this over and over. People, you know, we want to consume and consume and find out as much as we can because people really a lot of times don't want to invest their time and money to go to the theater unless they know they're going to like it. We don't have those t- we're not in the times anymore where you go to the theater you go, "Okay, what are we going to go see?" Yeah. People really want to know ahead of time that they're going to like something. And so people want to know everything they can before they go, but just this is a, such a perfect example of when you go into it having known nothing there was only one shot that i watched the film from the trailer that i went okay i remember the trailer but other than that they so seamlessly put it put it together that Mm -hmm. yeah same thing as you i I only had one moment where i where i recognized that's so hard in the modern day with three trailers plus tv spots plus everything they unleashed and then it's not sacrificing my tangent to tie this together is the box office thing we didn't sacrifice box office anticipation by not revealing the movie so i I would like other studios to notice that like hey look how little you gave away you've built up this fan respect so that you could don't have to sell the movie by revealing the movie you're going to make a billion dollars potentially in a weekend a a week total instead of a weekend we'll 
see if it's a weekend or a week. Mm-hmm. But you're going to make all that money, and we didn't have to learn the movie. So if you can yeah. find that sweet spot, please, because I want to keep enjoying movies. It's so yeah. nice to see a movie dominate the box office, and it earns it. Yes. Yeah. That's the other thing that I get really wrapped up in, because I don't know. I'm just going to bring this up, because this is the first thing that always comes to my mind. It's Power Rangers, when it's the, the cart before the horse thing, when something is meant to be a cinematic universe, a major blockbuster franchise, and it right. burns up right before your eyes, whereas they earned it. They took their yeah. time. They had the architecture laid out by Kevin Feige and his team, and they yeah. earned they earned basically this opportunity for us to sit at this table and say, is it going to break records and make $300 million opening weekend domestic and a billion worldwide? And that yeah. makes that story so much more satisfying to talk about. Next up, Pokemon followed by X-Men at the MCU. <laughs> I want to see those universes made proper. I really want to just be like, oh, a rocket power, a rocket... Uh, Team Rocket movie and have it be like the third movie in a franchise. Like, I want to get to Team Rocket. I want to live with the Pokemon. Well, hopefully Avengers Endgame sets an example for other franchises out there. I know. I, I really I thought we were I talking really about this. I was like, wait, there were Pokemon? Oh, <laughs> no, no, no. Not going that far yet. Spoilers, guys. But Bulbasaur's seriously, right. we never want someone out there to try to copy and paste something that was successful before. Right. That, or like any kind of reverse engineering. We've seen that blow up in studios' faces before, but there are certain things that the MCU has accomplished that if somebody else out there wants to build something that is that important to that many people out there, there's a few cues you can take from this franchise that you should put in your back pocket and at least try to emulate. I have a question for you guys. Let's hear it. How many times are you going to rewatch this film over the next few weeks? Because I thought it was one of those films that I'd see once and maybe digest again in a week. I would be there right now at the screening today had I not been called in for this. I, I was ready to go huh. again. I was ready to go again the next day. I'll be seeing it Thursday and Saturday, no matter what already, and I'm thinking about how busy my Wednesday is already for next <laughs> week. So the fact that I will, I'm already planning a fourth viewing within a week is a first. I saw uh, Infinity War six times. But that was spread out. This is me considering a fourth without having had the second. That's that's new. That's. I will have seen it three times by Monday. I'm going again tonight, and then I'm going once over the weekend. And part of the reason why I also believe it's going to make that 300 million is because I walked out a I walked out of a three hour movie willing to have walked right Right back back in in. and watched the entire thing over again. It leaves you in... I mean, it does remind me a lot of Infinity War in that respect, where when I walked out of Infinity War, I wanted to watch it over and over and over again, re-experience my favorite beats of the story, and I had that same feeling here. I wanted to dive right back in, and the screening tonight just can't come soon enough. Well, can you imagine it's one of those films that five, six viewings later, that's so much detail in this film that you'll be finding new pieces and new bits that you didn't notice. That's the other exciting thing is the discussion that we're going to have because no spoilers here. Everything isn't as cut and dry as you might expect. It's not like a simple beginning and end mission. There's a lot here to dissect, to yeah. consider, dense. to consider. For yes. the, it's very, very dense, which is part of the reason why I think one viewing is nowhere near enough for me. <laughs> um, but I'm really looking forward to uh, basically dissecting every single element of this movie on this channel yeah. in the next I couple know. of can days. Can everybody just go see it already so yeah, we can I really can't talk about it? It's the most of ever. Almost there. there. Almost there. Right. Ever. I cannot I wait for like Monday onward. Because I can just freely breathe <laughs> right. a little. Because every word we've said, I've been like, "How do I, I know, make yeah. sure that isn't implying that?" But also, this word in my tweet was that safe? I don't like. It's very tense. Yeah, I mean, this is the perfect time to tell you guys that we're going to have two spoiler reviews coming your way. The Heroes team is doing one, and then we're going to have a spoiler talk one on the Collider Video channel as well. I believe I'm doing that one with Christian, Riley, and Dennis, and you are myself, Roca, Amy, and Dorian. There you go. 
eight spoiler opinions coming your way real soon. I hope you have time for all of this in between your viewings of this three-hour movie. Before we move on to our next story today, I need to remind you that at the end of this show, we take your live Twitter questions. Start sending them in. Use the hashtag #CollidermovieTalk. All right. Now we have a pair of trailers to hit, and this first one is for Gemini Man. So this is our very first trailer for this movie. It's directed by Ang Lee, and it's a sci-fi thriller that sees Will Smith playing an assassin task with hunting down his own clone. Smith is pulling double duty on this one. They're using VFX and de-aging technology in order to have the 50-year-old actor also play his 23-year-old self in the film. Hits theaters October 4th. Nikki, what did you think of this very first trailer for Gemini Man? Well, when I saw the de-aged Will Smith, I had fresh print vibes all over the place. I mean, that was... If anybody's going to do that, have Ang Lee do it. Mm -hmm. I mean, his visuals are spectacular. This was an example, though, of a, of a trailer, what I was just saying. I feel like I just saw the whole movie in the trailer. I think they gave away a little bit too much. They should have left a little bit more to the imagination. But visually, nobody's better than, than he is. And, I mean, this is the year Will Smith's going to make a comeback. I mean, it's going to be really interesting to see, because this opens the weekend after Aladdin. It's going to be really interesting to see, are people, is Will Smith still a box office draw? I'm a little concerned for this one and it might just be because this first trailer didn't really work for me I I think that when I, I mean this is just what I tend to like, I don't want to say that they, they should have done exactly what I wanted but I, I guess I needed to spend a little more time with the very beginning of the story the setup between the two of them, it could have been an opportunity to have more of a teaser trailer rather than yes. a full trailer build the mystery before actually jumping into the action montage but you know, when you pair someone like Ang Lee with Will Smith, I'm going to see the movie no matter what, it didn't really grab me as much as I was hoping though. I have been looking forward to this one for a long time, I've been tracking it so I kind of, I think I'm in a unique position where I felt like I'd already seen the teaser because I'd already invested so much of my time so by the time this trailer came around, I felt like I already knew enough that I wanted a full trailer so actually, I can see 100% where you're both coming from but I was like, yes, everything more because I was already invested in the property Um, it's got an incredible cast Uh, Benedict Wong's in it, we talked about it when he came on here and I have always wanted, like, Bad Boys 1 Will Smith versus Bad Boys 3 Will Smith sounds awesome. Like, I, I really am excited for the movie star that's had this incredible of a career to act opposite himself. And I also like, he talked about in this one interview how he had to learn how to act not as well. Because when he was younger, he made more more uh, exposing acting choices. When he was younger, he'd have bigger acting tells. So he had to consciously, like, unlearn a lot of his acting skill so he'd act younger and act more poorly as his younger self. So I'm really excited to see Will Smith because he's such an incredible actor, I want to see him seeing what naive Will Smith thinks he is as an adult. I want to see that 50-20 split, and I think that it is a good year for Will Smith to return with a blockbuster tentpole and then a thinking man's blockbuster tentpole. Like, Gemini Man's an Ang Lee film. It's not your traditional, look at the Hulk. Like, it's not your traditional. Right, right. And, like, Brokeback Mountain showed you what he can do with a, a, a story full of so much heart. I'm excited to see what he can do with a story full of so much, like, existential crises. So uh, I love Ang Lee and Will Smith, I think, has had a rough few movies in the middle, but overall, like his career is, what, 90%? So I'm excited yeah. for his return. I really think he still has the box office pull. I'm curious to see how this winds up doing at the box office. Did I say the wrong date for this? 
Is it May 31st? No, I, I have October. No, Oct- October. Oh, it's yeah, October. it's coming out in October. It's coming out in October. It's opening up the weekend after Joker, and it's opening up against Zombieland 2. Which, you know, I mean, counter-programming counter there. I think that weekend it should be fine, but I'm also looking at Joker as, you know, sleeper hit probably isn't the right term for a movie like that, yeah. but I think that that one's going to be, you know, like a mid-budget movie that right. kind of just, like, consumes the box office. I think that releasing it opposite Zombieland is less concerning, but maybe not opposite week two Joker and Zombieland. That that worries me a bit because it's going to have people that didn't make it out the first weekend plus the people that have been waiting 10 years for Zombieland. Right. It is wild how we don't get a break this year because it's so awesome. I just scroll down to the bottom and it's like the week after is still the the new Adams Family movie, the second Maleficent movie. I mean, it just it really is nonstop. This is the best year I can think of for large scope films. Like maybe yeah. not your indies, maybe not your mid range films, but as far as like weekend to weekend tent poles, it, we have yeah. a Star Wars this year and we've got Endgame right now. Like that's it's summer all year basically. We will yeah. never sleep all <laughs> right. year. I, I hope you're ready to, to stay up and be going 24-7 constantly through the end of the year, because I most certainly am. I'm going to have a lot of coffee. It's going to be great. They're playing 60 hours of Avengers movie, and I'm going to team up with them. I am not sleeping, at least this week. I'm a little jealous. I I'm kinda, so excited. I know that if I did sign up for something like that, I'd probably be sweating it right before, because, that, I mean, that is, that is introducing a significant amount of like... time, but I kind of want to just re-binge everything all over again. I actually did. Yes. You watched everything? I watched every single oh, one. It's amazing. And I I finished watching Infinity War two minutes before I left for the premiere. It just worked. That's I don't the, know how I didn't even time it that way. way. It, it just worked be. out. But yeah, it was brilliant. It Start was now, amazing. No life, but it was fantastic. <laughs> Speaking of gigantic box office contenders this year, we also have a brand new trailer for Godzilla King of the Monsters. This one it's is May 31st. Filled I with monsters. Yeah, this one does come out May 31st, 2019. And uh, this time around, the King of the Monsters is joined by some of his fellow iconic Kai. You. Of course, we have Mothra, King Ghidorah, and Rodan. The film will see the return of Monarch, the, my- the mysterious agency introduced in the Godzilla shared universe prequel thing, Kong Skull Island, and uh, they are going to face off against these ancient super species. So, Koi, how are you feeling about this one? Okay, so I saw the Matt Broderick Godzilla at the exact right time in my life. I was the perfect You're age. You are not the only one. I have love... we discussed this? didn't we? We talked about our Jurassic Park love. I didn't yes. know you also shared a Matt Broderick Godzilla love. Was there something like Godzilla related when Maybe we went to Hawaii? Maybe on a bus in Hawaii? Maybe we yeah. both like... Yeah. That, I'm going right back some to that slight moment. deja vu. Okay, so <laughs> on a bus in Hawaii, Perry and I both realized how much we love Matt Broderick's Godzilla. But for me, that was the right age for that movie and I dare not revisit it. Now, <laughs> I get to have a Godzilla that is just as awesome as an adult because the CGI is caught up. The cast is incredible. It's from a team that's invested in the world Everyone is playing this grounded drama in a world with mm-hmm. Godzilla and 17 Titans in it. This trailer for me has continued this Comic-Con kicked off. Holy crap, Godzilla is going to be great. And then each new trailer I think brings in like another 20% of the population. Like they scoop up another batch of the world like, no, no, Godzilla is going to be awesome. So this trailer for me was 
escalation. It's it's the third act is shown probably a little too much for me. I'm a little too exposed, but I want a Mothra movie that's credible. I want a movie that looks like what I think my childhood thought Godzilla and Matt Broderick looked like. Like, we get it for real now. I'm so excited. I think this looks absolutely nuts. I had a very similar reaction to this as I did that last Hobbs and Shaw trailer where I'm like, oh, oh my yeah. god, there's so much going on. I don't know what's happening, but I love it all. <laughs> this was nuts and so usually I like trailers that let scenes breathe and let you live in a moment a little more rather than the quick cutting action thing. When quick cutting action is cut to the beat of a score like that, that's when you get me. It's like when they had, um, I think it was Ghidorah striking at Godzilla and it was like boom, boom, but like something about that just gets a rise out of me because I even remember, I think it was the, the Infinity War trailer or maybe it was Civil War. It was something where it like the Hulkbuster punch landed at the perfect part of the downbeat and I'm like yes like those are the kinds of moments I want from trailers for movies like this. Achieved. Ticked all the boxes. I'm so excited for this. This one, I, I this can do no wrong. Godzilla can do no wrong in my eyes. <laughs> this was actually my favorite trailer at CinemaCon. This was the one where I was like, yes! And seeing it on the biggest screen possible. It was beyond epic. This trailer is fantastic as well. I mean, I, this is probably my most anticipated movie of the year. I cannot wait to see it. I'm super excited. I'm a huge Jurassic fan, so and and I kind of... The right yeah. But seeing when, when the, they announced the trailer at CinemaCon, I was, I was a little bit, you know, how, but the scope of it, I think they're really smart about the scope and the scale feels, how could you make something feel bigger than Jurassic? And, and they kind of do, they kind of manage to do it. They're, they're playing with the CGI so well and yeah. that they keep like, when you watch a movie, a lot of times what throws you off in the CGI is when a human or real tangible thing interacts with the not tangible. Cause the weight doesn't look right. The shadows don't look right. There's always that. But yeah. when you've got two Titans that are both right. CGI, there's no way to scale it. So it feels enormous. Cause we have the context of smaller creatures next to it. So you show God, Godzilla once with a human this big, Godzilla this big. When you show me him fighting Mothra and they're both this big, I'm like, they're both giants! And I love that they're playing with that in the trailer. Yeah. I love they're playing yeah. with that in the, in the lore. So it all feels so big, even though framing it was probably the same as framing something this big. Right. Like, I... I oh. Yes. This year. <laughs> this year. We're, we're spoiled. Oh, so I mean, spoiled. We're, we're really spoiled right now, and I'm not arguing with it. All right. Before we move into live Twitter questions, we have some plugs. As always, you can expect to see Collider Live tomorrow morning. We are back here for Movie Talk at 4 p.m. PT live tomorrow. On top of that, Endgame content, the non-spoiler review I did with Dennis is already up. There is more coming your way all throughout the week from all of your favorite Collider personalities. Also, we have a little show called Con- Comic book shopping, don't we, Coy? I've heard of this show. Yeah, I, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm a fan of it. I think it. you have a pretty cool guest this time around. Uh, yeah, Mr. Jack Dylan Grazer, who is fantastic. You know him from It. You know him from Shazam. In Shazam, he is Freddie Freeman, who knows all about comics. So, obviously, I wanted to make sure he, in fact, knew all about comics. Uh, he actually went all the way back to Fawcett Comics in the 30s and read stuff from before his grandparents were probably wow. born. I was very impressed, this young That's man. Impressive. He's such an old soul wrapped in a nerd, and I like love that. So, he was fantastic to hang out with, talk to. Uh, we got a lot of Batman, and I'll get some guff for one of my Batman picks, but I will stand by it, because he's the goddamn Batman. If you're a comic fan, you know what that means. I'm going to defend a certain comic that everyone hates, but, uh, so check it out. It's uh, it's right now, and the rest of the guests, we, we're we working on the season. I'm really proud of it. I, I'm such a 
proud fan of that show that I watch and participate in. As you do, as you should be. You do great work, and so does the whole team around you. So, really, job well done to our whole Collider crew that's working on that the right now. The team, I have to say, what they have to do to make that show is insane. It is a multi-person setup. It is so much sound and lighting and running around. And it's all in a comic book store. And there's a reason comic book stores are usually like, you go in a dark space, and then you get comic. Like, there's a, there's a connotation of comic book. They're not made as sets. So it's an impressive feat these guys all do. And the editing top to bottom of the production team they make me look so much cooler than i am so thank you guys go give that a watch right now guys we are jumping into live twitter questions and i have a particularly terrible one from chris woodburn here that i have to ask i think we know your answer to this already nikki he's asking if you could only see one film the rest of the year that wasn't a comic book movie star wars or well actually i guess this takes godzilla out of the equation or a big tentpole film what would you choose is there anything else? <laughs> what else? Like, what I else mean, is there? it doesn't really feel like it. Now that I'm reading the question, it's, it's like every, every single thing on my most anticipated list was kind of in that yeah. zone. I mean, if you if you took out like the Star Wars restriction, I probably would have gone Episode Nine next. Then I would have gone It Chapter Two, I believe. But I mean, even you know, It Chapter Two is a tentpole film now. Yeah. What is there? I'm going to be that guy on his phone for a moment because I have to know. Well, there's a couple that I saw at Sundance that I would put on people's radar. Blinded by the Light is one of them. Did you see that at CinemaCon? I know. Blinded by the Light is great, and they showed Wild Rose at CinemaCon also. That is phenomenal. Um, but my, I think my favorite independent film that is coming out later this year that I want to tell everybody out there to watch is Britney Runs a Marathon. That was hands down one of the most inspiring movies that I've seen in so long that I ran out of that theater. And I didn't immediately do this, but a couple months later, I signed up for the New York City Marathon. So thank you, Brittany Runs a Marathon, for that motivation. Okay, this one is not an indie. Wait, can I say Rocket Man? Is that in any Ooh. of the categories? Well, I think no, that, that one. That, yeah, that's I think fair. that is the one. I love Taron. I think I can't wait to see what he does. I love that this is R rated. So hopefully it's going to feel different from Bohemian Rhapsody. And, you know, he sings in it, which is really going to be interesting because those are shoes to fill that's for sure yeah and and but he's just if anybody can do it it's him i mean he really is i interviewed him in paris on the set of robin hood and he was singing the whole time he was singing all day and i I mean everybody knows he has a voice but it's going to be really interesting i think that's the one for me is Ford versus Ferrari considered a tentpole? I'm really excited for Ford versus Ferrari because I, I love that story. I, I love, feel like, like if we can't outright like initially brand it as a tentpole, it's probably not. That's something, right? Because Once Upon a Time in Hollywood's probably on that line, even though it's like a budget, but it's Tarantino, so that's in there. It's like I that's even, a good one. Yeah, I don't yeah. even know if I would call that a tentpole movie. So Once Upon a yeah, Time in Hollywood, Ford versus Ferrari. John Bernthal is playing one of my friend's grandfathers, which is so cool. Uh, and then I is Gonzo this year. Because I'm really excited for Gonzo. Uh, uh, Fonzo, sorry. Not Fonzo, Gonzo, yeah. Fonzo. <laughs> and I knew it was The thing is, I, I immediately pictured what you really meant. Um, also picturing Tom Hardy as Hunter S. Thompson. I haven't heard gold. about that one in so long now that you bring it up. I've been looking forward to Fonzo for a while. It's uh, theoretically Josh Trank's return. It is uh, the story of Al Capone as played by Tom Hardy, who went all the way in. Uh, he basically plays him at the end of his life going insane in prison. So it's Tom Hardy, and he's obviously the man. But to see him play with a character character role like that's all about that psychosis I, it sounds like bronson to me and bronson's one of my favorite films of all time so fonzo if that's this year yeah um it, it doesn't look like it's got a locked in release date okay i mean right now if like i simply google it it just says 2019 which doesn't help us at all 
<laughs> so, so, so you can pick that one if you want, Koi. Yes. All right, let's hit another question here. Here's a fun one from Luis E. de la Pena, who's asking, if you could have a clone of you made, would you teach him or her the same things you learned as you grew up? Oh, heck no. I was raised by wolves. <laughs> That's a, that, I was I not like expecting need, that. I feel like you need to follow that. Yeah, I was like, like a little bit of information. I was like, waiting. What is this context? Awesome. Wait, can you repeat the question? If we would... If we would... Like, if, uh, now, of course, I lost the question. Um... I think it was pretty much just yeah. to the effect of, you know, if you had a clone of yourself, would, would, you, teach, would you teach that clone? Would you want the clone to follow in your same tracks? No, I'm the worst decision maker. I'm a Gemini woman. I'm a Gemini, and I make <laughs> the worst decisions in the world. I would go back, and I'd be, did you watch Seinfeld? And George Costanza does the opposite. I'd be opposite, girl. I would do everything, <laughs> every decision I've ever made in my life, I would do the exact opposite and see what happened. How sentient is this? <laughs> oh, no. I, I just realized how dangerous it is giving you a question like this. I'm thinking, if I raise it like my parents did, and I was raised amazing. My parents are fantastic. I love them so much. My parents raised me near perfectly. I look forward to Christmas every year. They're the best. I love you guys. Um, I would then, at a certain point, once I stopped being raised by my parents, start challenging me more. That way, I would grow and the clone would grow in equal measure because if two of you are fighting equally, you're both learning. Every time you fail, you learn. Win or learn, right? So one of us would be the superior koi, and then no matter what, there's a better koi in the world. So I would fight my clone often, both intellectually and physically, to make us both stronger mentally and physically, and then one of us would be superior, and then I'd go Ben Riley, screw off, and I'd have my own like you know five-year walkabout <laughs> adventure, and then my adventures, I could come back with all the wisdom I had learned, impart it to the clone. He could then go on a walkabout, get some worldly wisdom. It's doubling your chances for world growth and and yeah so up until like 16 then i'd challenge him and we'd, we'd duke it out so this is all very on brand for this one i think it's an opportunity i'm learning so i'm learning <laughs> i just said i was raised by wolves <laughs> just thinking if you can have an existential crisis manifest in a clone and therefore you can grow exponentially with your clone that's that's the dream I didn't think it through that. I was just trying to pinpoint like one thing in my childhood that maybe I would do different. I think about that all the time. It's like every single time you regret something, I'm like, yeah, yeah well, I should have done that differently. But then I think about, you know, I wouldn't be here and X, Y, and Z wouldn't happen if that didn't happen. So forget that. But the one thing growing up that I always said that I wished my parents did more for me was encourage me to focus on one thing. I was like the kind of kid who had to do everything. So I was always like pretty good at everything, but not great at anything. So I would want to be really great at like a sport like I would never want to not play all the sports now that I'm saying that I really wanted to play basketball in college and I was just like a little a little too like under the uh, the the capability level and I was a little too frail so it's like the butterfly effect with like a controlled environment it's an amazing opportunity I think you can't you win it's like messing with my head now oh you because you all win I see it as completely that's a opposite. really it's, good it's question actually it's nothing but victory. Now, if Endgame doesn't keep us up at night, this question will. <laughs> right. All right. Before this spins out of control any further, I'm going to wrap up this episode. Guys, thank you so much for watching. Just because I feel the need to do it. Again, Endgame doesn't hit theaters for a little while. Some people are going Thursday night. Other people have to wait until Sunday, maybe after that. So be kind. Be concerned about everybody around you and where you say spoilers, whether it's in a movie theater, where there's an employee there who might not have seen the movie. If you get into an Uber... Don't talk about the movie. The driver might not have seen it. There's so many people out there who don't want to hear spoilers, just like you. Preserve the experience for everybody. Nikki, Koi.
Joy, thank you so much for thank being here today. You. Where can everybody find you on the internet? At Nikki Novak or at Fandango. Koi, you want to drop some handles? Uh, you can find me at Koi Drondro on Instagram, Twitter. You can find me here on Collider Heroes. You can find me tonight at the El Cap. I'm so excited. I'm honored. I'm literally presenting Marvel films in an official Marvel marathon. I, I'm introducing surprises, and I'm so honored. Thank you, Marvel. And uh, you can find me on Comic Book Shopping every Tuesday. So please do. Twitter and Instagram, at Peanut Maroff. Another huge thank you to our main man in the booth. It's Adam. Thank you so much for your hard work. Guys, do not forget to like and share this episode of Movie Talk. Also, tell everybody you know about the show in podcast form as well. Download, rate, comment, all that good stuff. It really helps us out. And you know what? Tune in tomorrow, 4 p.m. PT Live for a new episode. At Napa Auto Parts stores and Napa Auto Care centers, get a $25 prepaid Visa card when you get any Napa automotive battery. It's the best deal for some of the best batteries from some of the best car people around. But we might be a little partial. Anywho, pick up any Napa automotive battery and save $25. Do it yourself or have it done for you. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. At participating Napa Auto Parts stores and Napa Auto Care centers. While supplies last, offer ends 831.20. Shop Black Friday week deals Sunday through Friday at Kohl's. Plus, get $15 Kohl's cash for every $50 spent. And take an extra 15% off. Get the big one throws, $8.49. Toastmaster small appliances are just $2.14 after rebate. And Fitbit Versa 2 is $129.99. Plus, take 30% off Lego, 70% off fine jewelry, and save on boots for her, $16.99. Plus, get fast and free store pickup. Shop Black Friday week deals at Kohl's and Kohl's.com. Select styles. Offers valid November 22nd through the 27th. 15% off with promo code ENJOY15. Lego and Fitbit offers and coupons do not apply. Some exclusions apply. See store or Kohl's.com for details.